back with our second podcast here, the builders and the tools. And the tools. Sorry, a little yes. sleep of the wheel. Yes, we are doing it via Zoom. So our audio is not as great, but we are certainly excited. Uh, today's podcast is brought to you by Wilson M. Beck, who is a locally owned specialty construction insurance and bonding broker in Victoria, British Columbia. Their team has extensive experience and dedication to the construction industry on Vancouver Island. Call them today to chat further about your bonding and insurance needs. Wilson M. Beck, Victoria, Victoria, we care, we help. Our second sponsor is Blue Anvil. Blue Anvil is the only services, excuse me, full services staffing agency on Vancouver Island to specialize in the placement and development of elite tradespeople. They are building a high caliber permanent workforce for temporary or long-term placements. They offer apprentices through to ticketed tradespeople. Blue Anvil provides custom staffing solutions to supplement your current workforce when you need them for as long as you need them so that you can concentrate on what you do the best, quality building. And lastly, Napit Projects, Inc. Napit is a locally owned construction company that was founded in 1983. That's almost as old as you, Berkeley. Over the years, we have built hundreds of projects through British Columbia and have established a tradition of excellence in construction. Our teams of certified tradespeople and construction professionals have completed some of the largest and mo most complex builds on Vancouver Island. And this expertise is brought to each and every product. For us, success is a complete build that exceeds obligations and is delivered on time and on budget. All right, folks, we got through the first part. Only a few screw-ups, but we're here. We have Dan Barnes from Napit Projects. I am certainly excited. Daniel, thank you so much for joining us. No problem. Dan, is, Dan you want, uh, excuse me, Barkley, you want to tell us a little bit about Dan? Sure. I'd also just like to recognize the Young Builders Network that is a committee of VICA, the Vancouver Island Construction Association, which we are all part of. Um, our special guest today that we're interviewing is Dan Behrens, current vice president and partner owner of Napa Projects, past chair of the Vancouver Island Construction Association's Young Builders Network, known as Vicky U40 at that time. Welcome, Dan. How you doing? Good. Started. Good. Ready to get started? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Hey? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay, got some softballs to start, and then we'll get into it. How long have you been with Napa? Yeah, uh, since 2012. 2012, okay. Almost 10 years. Yeah, I don't have a cut 10 years. Thank you. Um, what is it about Napa that separates themselves as a leader in the construction industry? Well, a couple things, I would say. I'm not biased, but uh, I think we have some long-term employees in key positions. So all of our site supers have been this a long time, um, have good experience. We also, all of our project managers are engineers or EITs, which mm -hmm. is weird for a construction company. Um, I think we might be the only one on Vancouver Island like that. So yeah, every every project manager and estimator is a some tied to engineering somehow and unlike most construction companies our project managers are estimators so when we start a job and we estimate it we run it 98 percent of the time so usually you have an estimated department a project management department and that that project is handed off at some point we don't do that so it makes it harder to find people because it's a pretty specific role but mm -hmm. find it works better so your guys' lunchroom, 
with all the engineers and all that OCD, you know, is it, are the forks, do they go up or down in the dishwasher? Uh, Carrie in our office, make sure they go down. Otherwise, it's <laughs> uh, That's amazing. No, that's uh, definitely uh, a unique, uh, I, I don't think I've heard of many construction companies that only hire engineers and, uh, for those positions. So that's excellent. Um, what was your, what was your first job? And, and, you know, what was something, the most important thing you learned from that, that first job? Uh, my, well, my first job was a paper out. I don't know if I counsel a job and uh, it sucked during high school because you have to get up at 5.30 a.m. every day. So my first real job, I worked at a senior's living place doing dishes uh, from 3 to 5.30 uh, every weekday. And yeah, it was interesting. It was outstanding because I was playing soccer at the time and my parents loved it because I ate all the food after I was done dishes. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was funny because I had this paper and it was terrible. I hated it because you have literally 5.30. I convinced whoever slept over at my house that weekend to come help me and buy them chili at Tim Hortons. Uh, <laughs> but when I went to quit it, my mom was like, well, you can't quit it. You don't have another job. So then I got the seniors facility. I was like, okay, well, now I'll quit it. She's like, no, that's not a, that's not a full-time job. It's only like three hours a day. Well, you're only working two or three times a week. So then I got a job at McDonald's. Luckily, I only lasted a month. <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> so what was there to eat at the the seniors home that was so good uh, well i was yellow 17, 18 anything <laughs> bit of shuffleboard i don't know if you guys play shuffleboard like curling with a table. oh yeah yeah oh the best and the best. I, I actually got the job from a buddy i was playing soccer with he still he lives right by Doncaster and i see him sometimes and uh, we'd go out and play because if you got done, they didn't care in between dinner service. So we'd go play shuffleboard, eat food after all the leftovers, and we'd have the Canucks games on in the back room listening while we're working. It was pretty fun. Not a terrible job, let's put it that way. <laughs> did you say you had the Canucks games? Mm -hmm. Oh, did you watch? yeah. Did you watch that Canucks game last night? Yeah, unfortunately, I did. <laughs> but yeah, you're an Edmonton fan, aren't you? I am on board. Yeah, they're the worst. Edmontonian. I certainly enjoyed watching it. I didn't razz Sparkly too much, but there was a lot of gigg <laughs> giggles coming from the living room. Brittany goes, oh, they must be winning. There's a lot of giggling going on in there. Um, Dan, where did you go to university? Uh, university of Calgary. And what did you take? Uh, civil engineering. With so, uh, structural engineering minor. Minor in structural, yeah. What was a most what was like a fun memory from university? You, and I know mm -hmm. chatting with you in the past, you enjoyed some of your time in, in Alberta there. Mm -hmm. Alberta what I found at the time was booming. Like we moved there in 2004, my wife and girlfriend at the time. And uh wife and girlfriend? Sorry, go. wife, girlfriend at the time. Oh, I see. Uh, yeah, yeah. Friend. You guys have my friend. Um, so we moved there right out of high school in 2004. And when we moved there, it was just taking off. Like it went nuts. Um, and it was a bunch of young people. It was a young city. Um, so the school was fun. They had this thing called Bermuda Shorts Day. It was at the end of the year. Weird timing. It was like after all the classes were done, but before exams, which is kind of odd. But everyone would just get like super loaded on campus. They'd have beer gardens everywhere. Cops were there. Everyone was okay with it. And you would just get like there was people pass out all over the place, and it was just like a day of drinking, and then everyone went back to studying for exams in the next day. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Did you did you go to a stampede or two? Yep, yep. Yeah, did you enjoy enjoy that? Yeah, it was nice. It's it's like I think after you go the first or second time, it kind of gets old, but 
it's kind of, it's kind of the same stuff every year, but it was definitely cool to be there when it was happening. The city yeah, church sure. too, right? Like it's it has to be like fifty thousand people. Like I don't know what it is, but it's insane how much it can. Typically, over over a million people have run through that stampede. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's quite a unique. You know, I, I I obviously being an Edmontonian, uh, you know, we were raised to uh, compete against Calgarians, but it was certainly uh, I certainly appreciated what Calgary would do. They would shut down, and, and I know uh, in my world, the insurance guys and, and underwriters would they were right off. You couldn't get anything done that week cause for mm -hmm. with anyone in Calgary because they just took the whole week off to party and hang out. And, not mm -hmm. sure if they get away with that anymore, but uh, certainly uh, was quite jealous of that. But um, what was your number one takeaway from your time in university? Uh, work hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, engineering was interesting because it was like a normal course where I think it's four classes a semester. You had to take six. Like it wasn't an option. There's no way to get around that. You had six classes. So it was really just head down, get the job done. And then uh, you're pretty much learning so much. All you're really doing is learning how to learn um, as quickly as you can and try and keep as much of it in your head for the next year. That's kind of, and that's why I think we, we hire engineers because at the end of the day, if they can get through that, they can react and work through problems on a job site, no problem. That makes um, sense. They understand how to move quickly and, and deal with stuff as it comes up, plus the stress. It's, I would say it's similar. I still have nightmares about exams. When you uh, when you graduated, what was your first job? In, or did you start in construction right away? I'm assuming you did. What was your first job? So I did a internship, um, which is different. Here they have four-month internships. And Cal University of Calgary it was between your third and fourth year. And you had eight months to a year, so you could either do the eight months or a full year. So it was 2007, I think. It was right before the crash in 2008. I worked for Bird Construction, totally random. Um, at the time, like it was just insane in Calgary. Like the oil companies were hiring, everyone was hiring. So I think when we went out to do our internship, like they have like a job fair and then they have postings. I think there was like 300 postings or something from students. Like it was crazy. But I, just put, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Put resumes out and just started interviewing. I was like, whatever, let's, let's see what's out there. Ran, I didn't even know who Bird was. <laughs> Randomly got an interview with them. And they offered, I had a couple of job offers. They offered me the job. And I, I had a speaker that came to our class about a month before we got out of third year. He was one of the uh, founders of Focus Engineering. And he said, whatever you do, don't go into design first. So I took that and said, okay, let's try out construction. And he suggested going to the construction side before you go into design because you can't go the other way. Okay. So um, that was really why I took the bird construction job. So I ended up working for them for a year in between my fourth and fifth, or third and fourth year. And then worked through my fourth and fourth year with them full time, which was interesting. That was quite a fun time. I had, I basically lined up my classes. So they were in the morning and then worked with them from like noon to four wow. and to five and ended up going to work with them after. And then you were with them for about well, three years, a total, I think. Okay. And then what, what brought you back to uh, Victoria? Uh, well, at the time, uh, had come and gone and everything was starting to ramp back up and we were getting headhunters calling all the time and I finally just told them to stop calling me unless you have something in Victoria just started telling them I was like look I'm looking at going back so I just wanted to see what was out there 
And one of them called me back like the next day and said, I've got this position, I've got a couple positions that you're interested. So I talked to uh, Fran and said, look, this is an option. And we always kind of knew we didn't want to raise a family in Calgary. It's a lot of driving. And like once you live in Victoria, you can, I don't know, I, you probably seen this age going to Edmonton. Oh yeah. Same, right? It's not, it's not even close. Again, I cracks me up when people live here their whole life and don't go somewhere else, which I guess they're smarter than us. Um, <laughs> but you don't appreciate it until you're gone. And so we, we kind of knew we didn't want to have kids there. So we always knew it was like the end game of coming back. We didn't know when, um, and they just kind of sped it up. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Um, you know, for, for some of the listeners that don't know me personally, I, I made the transition back to, to Alberta and I don't know what I was thinking there. We, as soon as we got there and we we're driving 90 kilometers a day, uh, you know, going to work and back and in the minus 40, I got a panic call from, from my fiance, now wife, uh, saying, you know, if we ever have a kid, I don't know how the, how I'm going to push him in a stroller. And I said, you don't, you just grab a sled and you throw him in the back. And that was kind of the final straw for her. <laughs> but yeah, no. insane. It's, yeah, it's hard to explain to people. Like even Vancouver, it's bad. But Alberta, they just they don't they don't have any restraints, right? So they build out, and that's their plan. Um, so, you you yeah. gotta love those uh, those freeways, like the Deerfoot, and you just 110. You're like flying through the middle of the city, and they've got that yeah. uh, ring road now, and yeah, it's pretty incredible what you can do with some flat service. Yeah, the last year we lived there, I lived in Airdrie, or we lived in Airdrie, and I worked in like South Calgary by the Deerfoot Casino. Oh. And it was like, I think it was 75 kilometers return. And if I left at 7, I'd get there at like 8.15. If I left at 6.30, I'd get there at 7. Like it was, wow. it was crazy. Um, but the Deerfoot just shut down pretty much all winter. So yeah, yeah it's a crapshoot. So you're, um, you're now VP at Napit and part owner, correct? Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, how at such a young age, Daniel, did you become part owner of a uh, large and very reputable general contractor? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's going to sound cliche. Probably hard work. Uh, yeah. Push like when I was younger. Now that I'm not that old, but when I was younger, definitely for we put it, I put in some time. I think a lot of it's some of it's luck for sure. Timing. Um, when I started at Bird, I was doing an internship and I was in the office doing random O&M manuals. Poke your eyeballs out. Uh, anyone's <laughs> ever done one of those? It's an operation maintenance manual at the end of a building where it basically summarizes everything that you've put in that building. So it's like 800,000 pages long and just repetitive over and over again. And we had, there's two of them they hired. So it's a bit of a long story, but I think it's worth it. Uh, we got hired at the same time. One of them was, the other person was supposed to go to this project that they had started at the museum with the regiments to mid-Calgary. Mid uh, and he went to go and caught mono like the day before he was supposed to go to site. And the person, the superintendent on the site had just had mono and was mm-hmm. like, fuck that, I don't want to do that again. So they instantly nixed that. I got a, I got told the day I was going, like, yeah, you're going to site. I was like, okay. So <laughs> I show up at site. And the superintendent's like part of the head superintendent. He was the head, I think the head superintendent for Bird. His name was Jeff West. Uh, I still talk to him all the time. And he, I show up at site in my like, in Calgary, it's different than construction here. Like you dress up, like people are wearing suits and ties. So I was wearing business casual. I had like dress shoes on. I didn't have boots because I hadn't been to site yet. Didn't have a hard hat. I show up at the trailer. I walk in and he goes, who are you? Like, I'll <laughs> tell him who I am. And then instantly the guy that sent me to the site, my boss on the office phones, 
and the superintendent picks it up and it's him checking to make sure I got there. And the superintendent goes, I don't know, he hasn't shown up yet. He must be lost. You better find so ended up going to site and that superintendent like pretty much changed my career tra trajectory by himself like he let me do whatever I wanted at the same time I did whatever he asked like I remember the first couple days I was there he told me to go out and unload some rebar I'm like all right whatever <laughs> so I go out there and I don't know if you've seen rebar in Florida or a speed train before but it's not the lightest stuff so me and the truck driver are out there with two light floors trying to pry this rebar off and he, the superintendent comes out and starts laughing at him. But um, I think that was a lot of it. Just be willing to do what they ask. Like, uh, I don't think anything is, I, we see this a lot, not so much internally, but I've seen it a lot with the younger generation where they just don't want to do something because they think it's below them. Or, and it, I don't get it. Like at the end of the day, you got to do what you got to do to get the job done. And I think having that now as a, as a, leader or manager you see that sometimes you have to do stuff that you don't want to do but um, I think that hard work and just being open to doing whatever was asked definitely helped that's great advice yeah yeah well that that really that was one of my questions was what what uh, advice would you give a, a young engineer or a manager or, uh, excuse me project manager or an estimator um, it sounds like you would say you know uh, keep your keep your uh, uh, you know um, eyes open for, for a, a variety of different tasks and, and, and to always be expected to work hard. And, and, but, uh, uh, you know, maybe you should uh, answer that question rather than me. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I think it's the same thing. Like, yeah, work hard. There's uh, the biggest thing for me when we're hiring is you can, you can, you can teach people how to do the job, but you can't teach people how to work and you can't teach people attitude. I know you, everything you read says that, but it's totally true. So if you have someone that comes in and you notice right away that there's something like the effort's not there, the attitude isn't there, um, it's not worth it, right? So having that attitude, open mind, feeling willing to ask questions. Uh, I see that a lot with the younger uh, people that are inexperienced. They're, a lot of them are nervous to ask questions because they think they look stupid. I ask questions all the time. I look stupid all the time. It's easy for me to do it because I'm in a position now where people won't say something, right? But I think coming up, one of the things that I wish I would have known earlier is everyone's faking. Like everyone is, like everyone doesn't know everything and they're just better at hiding it, right? So when, when you're out there and who really cares what they think? Like at a meeting, if you have something to say, say it. If you have a question, ask it. Cause you're gonna forget, right? And then you won't learn. You'll walk out of that meeting and you won't have any idea what was going on because you didn't ask one question at the beginning of it. So. Yeah, that, that is awesome. Everyone's faking it. I've had, yeah, no, that's so true. Hey, I, hey, Barkley, that, yeah, that is so true. I, I've never thought of that. You either get around a boardroom table and just look at everyone and just be realistic for about thirty seconds. All right? What are we doing today? Oh, yeah. yeah all right. All right. Let's. Yeah, like I thought, Yeah, I don't mean like everyone doesn't know what they're doing, but to some degree, even everyone is a little nervous, right? Everyone's not hundred percent sure, and being willing to admit that and, and ask the question. No one's going to think you're an idiot, and if they do, who cares? Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Well, I want to dive into uh, some of your experiences with uh, Vika's uh, Young Builders Network. And then when you were uh, heavily involved in it, it was called Vika U40. Um, how did you get started with uh, YBN? Uh, uh, I'm pretty sure Pete White at Kinetic walked into my office with like that initial brochure that said, hey, we're starting the, I was YCL at the time. We're starting the, uh, which everyone called young Christian leaders, but I don't think you should say that out loud, but we just did. 
uh, everyone would ask me if we went to church again. It was part of the reason why we changed the name. But yeah, so he brought this brochure. I think Ross McLean at the time was one of the ones that started the whole process, but it came through Vicka and it was an initial meeting. Pretty sure Jarrett was there from Farmer, Eric, uh, who else? There's a couple of guys from Farmer, Paul Gray, Chris Lyons. And yeah, it just started from that. I think we started with five people, maybe. I can't remember that. I remember the first meeting. I remember it was, a, I'm pretty sure it was at the Barton Banker. Uh, was Sean McNeil there? I don't know if he was there yet. No, I can't remember. No, he. I don't think he was because he he worked for DCC before he worked for Farmer. Hmm. So I think he came later. He might have been. It would have been around the same time. Yeah, I was just I was just chatting with him. I just caught up with him. He uh, uh, he's out in Ontario now, but um, hmm. yeah, no, he's doing well. Uh, shout out to Sean there. Uh, what are what are some some of your best memories uh, during your time as chair of uh, YBN? uh working on projects i would say it was a big definitely it would be hard to do now in the positions that a lot of us are in but at the time we had the extra time and the will <laughs> to do some charity projects uh but networking i think was it um like we would go it was way different than it is now i haven't been to a meeting in a while so i don't know exactly how it is now but we basically just show up at the bar and just talk it wasn't even really agenda or meeting minutes or if there was we didn't read them um i think there was because sarah was there so i'm sure she had them but <laughs> we did there wasn't a lot of following them, that's for sure um so yeah i think that was and meeting the people that i work with now like i still talk to chris almost every week chris lyons um and eric we do projects all the time right so yeah what do, you, what do you see uh, some of the benefits of getting involved in networks like this? I think the, the main benefit is networking, for sure, especially in Victoria. Uh, knowing that person when you phone them because you need a favor, like even if you don't know them that well, even if you've met them once, it makes a difference, right? So I think that and just uh, being able to phone your competitor and say, hey, I've got a problem with this guy what's your experience what do you think what do you think what's going on here and understanding what's happening in the industry is important so uh, the young builders network has raised um just over four hundred thousand dollars to date so to you and all the founders of what was ycl at the time certainly thank you um the the foundation you guys laid for the rest of us to move forward um the annual charity casino event has raised $80,000 in counting. Um, many people don't know this, but the charity casino started with a donation from Nappet Projects and John Nappet, and I believe you were chair at the time. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, how this came to be? Yeah, I can't remember exactly what happened. I think we might have moved our Christmas party because it was too small at the Marriott. Something happened, and we had a deposit that was going to get eaten. And so I knew the randomly knew the events coordinator at the Marriott. I went to high school with her. Um, and so I approached John and said, well, we're going to lose it anyway. Do you care if I try and do something with it? Uh, like we would have lost a portion. There might, I can't remember what it was, 50% or something. I said, well, why don't we just take that and turn it into something and do something good with it? And he right away said, yeah, no problem. Whatever you want, go for it, which was nice. Just let me kind of run with it. Um, so between Patty and myself, we approached the Marriott and said, look, we're, we understand that you don't have to say yes to this. <laughs> <laughs> but you're going to get what whatever the deposit is or we put an event on you get some people in January uh, which I know is a slow month for you so you get an event that's going to have a bunch of people uh, I mean we do something nice for some a charity and whatever in Victoria 
And so they were on board with it. And I think I think this happened like late November. I can't remember. I meant to look back a little. And I think we had the first casino was like January 31st. I think it was like all, it was on my birthday. It was it was early late January, early February. And so over those two months, we put this thing together and it was just a complete, I don't think we ever worked so hard in two months. It was crazy. When you look at it, what we did now um, and got it going and it was uh, like instantly a hit. There was a lot of people that first year. It was a, it was a smaller space for sure, but uh, we got the people there and to do it in two months was pretty crazy. Yeah, I remember. I, I don't even know if it was two months. I, I think it might have been a little less, but it was uh, certainly thank, thank you to you guys. And uh, it was... Uh, it was a lot in a short time. So you guys were behind. You guys were behind schedule the whole time. Oh, the whole time. Started up on schedule. I remember walking into the meeting, the first meeting, and being like, "This is what we're doing." And everyone's face was like, "Oh yeah, okay." Sure. But everyone kind of like jumped on, but it didn't take long. Everyone was like, "Yeah, let's do it." And a lot of people put a lot of time into that first one. Uh, you've been a huge supporter and advocate for the Young Builders Network. Uh, what do you feel? Uh, why do you feel this group is important or has an important role to play? I think networking is, is it, to me, the biggest role. I know yeah. some people don't agree with that, but I think that's the biggest role it plays, uh, especially with the younger generation. You have a lot of, a lot of texting, a lot of emailing. Uh, so getting people out there and getting them into the network of the industry is important. I also think it's definitely a stepping stone for the board, which also is important because the board doesn't seem to get much younger, even though some of you are on it now, you're all getting older too. So um, it's a, and I think that's, there is a lot of people from YBN on the board, right? So yeah. it has, it has worked for that intended purpose. Uh, but also, I don't know if it, I can't remember what the initial, I'd be interested to find what the initial sheet was and what the goals of the group were. But I think it definitely, when we went down the charity route and started doing a lot of those projects, it definitely wasn't what was intended, I don't think, to that level. Uh, but it's turned into that. And I think that's important too. Not that we don't give back a lot, but um, it's, it's nice to do, right? Mm -hmm. What are your, uh, what are your thoughts on the new name? Young Builders Network? Yeah, I like it. Yeah, much. U40, like the, well, the reason we, well, you were there when we changed it to U40. The reason we changed it to U40 because everyone, like I said before, I won't repeat those words, but um, there was not a lot of love in that name. And then U40, we instantly figured out that everyone thought that that was the end of the world. If you were over 40, you couldn't come to any of our events. So I think YBN does a nice job of uh, bridging those two, right? Right on. Yeah. And, and just to, just to uh, go back to your point there, you know, the terms of reference, they haven't changed since the group started uh, or since those terms of reference have uh, been, been created. Uh, you know, we've edited, uh, you know, U40 to YBN mm -hmm. now, and that's, that's about it. Um, but still, uh, I think what you guys laid out uh, in 2010 was is, is incredible. And, uh, you know, we're certainly uh, very appreciative of you uh, being one of the founders. So thank you for that. Um, what do you see uh, as great opportunities for YBN individuals in the future? Uh, well, I think moving up in their companies is, or moving up in general. I think there's a, there's a, there tends to be a gap. Like I think we're going to see it the next five to 10 years. There's a lot of people between the ages of 60 and 70 that are hanging on because uh, they want to. And then there's a gap of people between that 45 to 55, 60 range. Um, and you can look around the companies, even in Victoria, and just see that that age group's kind of missing. So I think there's going to be a lot of companies that are going to need people to step up and step up relatively quickly over the next 10 years. So I think that'll be a good spot for these 
younger people to step in. Awesome. Uh, what can young driven construction professionals do to build their uh, personal skills in order to advance into a position that you're, you're referring to these, these opportunities that are, they're coming about. Find someone that's done it before and learn how they did it. I always like, we, I hate reinventing the wheel. So trying to find someone that's been through this and even if it's not construction related, read a book about someone that's gone through the, the career that's similar to the trajectory you want to be and see what they did and how they did it. Um, learn from them and go from there. Uh, even if it's a be yeah, like a book or a mentor that you can find someone that that can give you some advice and help at the same time but back to the same skills like being there putting the time in and put the time in when you're young so you can not that you don't put time in when you're older I could lie and say you don't but you still do what do you see as uh, key roles for the Vancouver Island Construction Association in the industry like what do you yeah. 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 Uh, as uh, as a as a you know an owner part owner of uh, of a fairly uh, large and, and significant general contractor, I'm curious. Yeah. What what do you see as? I think advocacy is my advocacy and and going out to the owners, the, the municipal governments, the large buyers of our services, and explaining to them how to make these things fair for everybody. Um, and when there is unfair situations or situations we don't agree with, fighting for us so we don't have to do it individually. Like that's that's to me is one of the main reasons you have an association like this, right? So, so I don't have to go fight the school districts or fight the Ministry of Transportation on their procurement methods. We can do it as a group so they understand and there's some weight behind it. But I think that, to me, that's the biggest role they play. Um, and then obviously the backside of that, having an association that can provide training, provide committees that help flush out these problems. Uh, you were Vika's first ever winner of the Under 40 Person of the Year Award. And I'm just going to read you a little snippet here. It says the U40 Person of the Year Award recognizes an individual under the age of 40 who has demonstrated industry leadership or the potential of and is committed to the advancement of the construction sector. So congratulations to you. Now I know that you had some uh, stiff competition in regards to the, the finalists. Uh, how did you end up winning? Yeah, I paid somebody for a whole thing. <laughs> and just for some of the, the listeners, Barkley, uh, in our past podcast, uh, uh, Eric, uh, Ulrich, were, were the other finalists. <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of. Kind of wish you guys did win, and I didn't have to do that speech that I mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you did well and yeah, well deserved. Yeah. Well deserved, and congratulations, yeah. kidding aside. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I just want, want to dive into a little bit of where you are today, and um, uh, nap it specifically. How has your business changed or had to adapt uh, business and operations with COVID or due to COVID? Yeah, on site, we've adjusted, and, uh, incorporated all of the safety requirements so you have washing stations face masks uh it's definitely different in specific areas like when you're doing excavation and outside work it hasn't been that big of an effect but when you go to finish a project it definitely makes it interesting so we've we've adapted uh but there's def there's definitely been some hard things to get used to uh 
And then when you get finishing, you, you have stairwells, for instance, where you're only going up one and coming down the other, limits in rooms where you normally have 10 trades on a floor, you might have one. Um, so we've adapted on the sites, I think, relatively well, just because of the stuff we already had in place or the construction in general has in place. Um, there's still challenges, obviously. And in the office, we, we have half our project managers there during the day, each day. So we alternate days at home and days at work to keep the flow of outgo. What current projects do you guys have underway? Uh, so we've got Belmont just coming out of the ground, the next phase, uh, Belmont Residence East. Um, we're just starting another seniors facility right by Jubilee Hospital. The old Fort Street Medical Clinic's coming down and we're building a, it's a four-story, four-story seniors facility there. Um, we're finishing off some new buildings at QMS, Queen Margaret's and Duncan. So we built a couple of buildings for them. Uh, we're starting a renovation and slash build at Brentwood College. We do a lot of their work up there. So they're replacing their academic building. So we're actually renovating a gym to put their classrooms in. So that's an interesting project and it's starting in June. Um, and then we have Mill Bay Wastewater Treatment Plant. It's about half done. And then we've got a bunch of BC housing, um, low income slash part of that BC housing packages that are out there right now starting. That's awesome. Well, you know, what are some of the trends you're seeing in the industry right now? Uh, price increases. We're seeing, especially in the last little while, like lumber has been a problem for probably six months, eight months. Uh, and our our portion of the lumber and the overall thing is such a tiny drop in the bucket compared to the American market. that we, we kind of just react to what happens to them. So we're seeing massive increases in lumber, like uh, to the point where it's, we're talking 100% increase in material on buildings. So I think that's been in the news a lot, but in just general random supply issues where you need a, well, for instance, we're buying some trucks and we needed the trucks, but one piece was having manufacturing issues because of COVID. So the whole truck gets held up. And you're seeing that kind of throughout the industry, like bathtubs, fixtures, random things that you wouldn't normally have issues with or having problems. So. Um, but at the same time, the industry is getting, I think, busier. We're seeing more stuff come out. Uh, the government's going to keep pushing money out. So it's, it's an interesting combination. Do you see things getting better in regards to, uh, you know, the price of lumber and, and, uh, the supply and. I don't, I don't know. It's a weird, it's a weird time. Cause you look at, you look at what's happened over the last year and how, how house pricing is still going other than the interest rates. Uh, but even the purchasing, I don't know about around your guys' house, but I don't, there's like one house for sale around my place. And as soon as they go up, they get bought. And it's, you wouldn't think that would be happening in the middle of a pandemic, right? Yeah. Um, so it, it's hard to say. So if that, if that continues, absolutely, it's gonna continue. I think that the, the supply issues are gonna be a problem for a while because COVID's gonna take a while to work itself out of the system. Uh, but the demand uh, will continue, I think, as well. Well, I was, that was kind of a selfish question. I was just asking if it was going to come down because I want to build a deck this summer, but I guess I'll be pushing <laughs> it. Uh, all jokes aside, are you on, sorry, you are on the board of the George View Society. Can you tell us a little bit uh, about the George View Society and what Gorge? your role is? Gorge? Gorge. Gorge. Yeah, Gorge. What did I say? 
George. George. Yeah, that's, his cousin. <laughs> that's an area in Edmonton. We'll just we'll go with that. George, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, the Gordry Society, they own a piece of property on what is that road between Burnside and Gorge? Harriet. And they've got 108 units there. That's for low-income seniors housing. Um, so I'm on the board. I've been on the board for about two years. They're in the middle of doing one of the similar to what I was just talking about, BC Housing uh, funded project. They're building 58 new units right in the middle of their property. So I'm on the board and I'm also on the, I guess, construction committee, helping them guide through that process as much as possible. Okay, we're going to go into a uh, little bit about dive into work life and. Uh, um, Sorry, can I back yep. it up one second? Yeah, I sure so, can. So, so does Napa get that project? No, we do not. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sure. Everyone's thinking it. Everyone's <laughs> thinking it. Yeah, no, uh, it was completely above board. We did not get it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so, Dan, you've got uh, two children. How old are they? Six and nine. Six and nine. Okay. So, um, for those out there that are, uh, have families and trying to balance their life. What, how, how do you balance your busy career and, and your home life? Uh, it's an ongoing struggle. It's definitely, definitely a hard thing to do. I know about probably right before the pandemic or in the pandemic, the beginning, I was definitely doing a lot of work at home. But I'd, I'd come home, try and hang out with the family and then put the kids to bed and then work after. And I did that for a while and it just got too much. I started to burn out. And I think recognizing that is hard, especially when you have a lot to do mm -hmm. and understanding that it's like, it's going to be there in the morning, whether you do it or not. Um, and there's only so much you can do in a day. And I got to the point where it was just not working. So I stopped working at home as much as I could. Like I still do it once in a while, but I tried to cut that out as much as possible um, and keep them separate as possible. I found that just for me anyway, it was hard to manage that otherwise. So having that stop time at five and then or five thirty or whatever time you get home with the kids and then trying not to go back to it till you get to the next morning, that's been my experience. Uh, definitely still difficult. I, I, I sorry, Bark, I got to jump and ask. So, so with that said, do you think you would be at the level you're at without putting in those extra hours? No. No. So there's I a had, there's a. There's a, yeah. a, an interesting balance, and, and, and sorry, Dan, uh, but uh, there's an interesting balance, and I see it because to get to the level where, where you, you know, you're, you're managing a team or, or you know, aggressively uh, chasing targets or whatever your career is, um, it seems you've got to put in those hours, but then you've got to somehow balance that, and that's always mm -hmm. been uh, an absolute mystery to, to me. Um, Finding that balance? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know what it would happen. Like, I guess it's based on your stage in your career more than anything. Uh, but I know when, like, when we lived in Calgary, I worked for Bird, and we were doing Walmart's renovations. <laughs> and they were 24 hours, right? Like, it was, we were working 24 hours a day. So I was on call for probably six months with my phone beside my bed if I wasn't working nights. But I worked during the day, too. It wasn't like I was off during the day and my wife at the time well she was working for WestJet and so she was home and working random hours she'd come home for three days and be sleeping and I'd get a phone call in the middle of the night uh, so yeah it's it's hard because when I, I 
when I was working there, it was, it was a lot of hours putting the time in. Um, when I first started with that superintendent on the Museum of the Regiments, I remember the first conversation was like, yeah, which, which weekend are you doing? I was like, what are you talking about? I'm an intern. Like, I don't get paid by the hour. <laughs> I'll be here <laughs> Monday to Friday. Like, no, that's not how this is going to work. But and so it was, we would alternate Saturdays. And that's just the way it was. Like, it wasn't an option. Um, and I think the island definitely is different. And I don't know what your experience is, AJ, but I remember moving here. It's a different, like, people don't want to hear that. It's a different expectation and it's a different um, speed, whether you want to agree with me or not. I've seen it, so <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, no. it's definitely it's definitely different, um, and the expectations are different, and I think that's important to see. But at the same time, yeah, putting those hours in—if you have something you have to get done, you got to get it done. Yeah, no, I I 100% agree with you, uh, Dan. It's it's uh, you know I think the proof is you you jump on the road at seven eight o'clock at night, um, you're you're home in five minutes, right? compared to the 4.30 to 5.30 kind of traffic, even five traffic jams, so. Mm-hmm. What, what do you do to uh, turn it off, to to take your mind off work? Um, any tips or tricks or something you can share with us? <laughs> uh, I, like for me, the hardest thing is turning off thinking about it. This is going to sound really cheesy because I thought it was really cheesy, but meditation has helped with that for sure. Um, really? Yeah. Uh, and I don't do it often enough, but trying to get, because I find I get caught and I don't think you even notice it until you start noticing it, but I get caught in these like feedback loops where you start thinking about something and then you just go and, you, and until you can, I still can't do it. Apparently eventually you can but until you catch yourself right away and like, okay, well, I don't need to think about that. I can't do anything about it until tomorrow. Why am I thinking about it right now? Uh, that's the hardest thing for me. Like, even if I'm not working, you're con- I don't know about you guys, but I end up constantly thinking about it. And I don't even want to be thinking about it, but it's just, once we spend eight hours a day or nine hours a day at the office, it's what we do. It's what we enjoy doing. It's hard to have that hard stop, right? Not, not try and plan the next day, especially mm-hmm. for someone that wants to be, organized and ready it's our uh, one of the things i started doing as well is that before i leave the day before like the night i try and plan out my day for the next day and so i'm not thinking about that because what i found is if i'm at home i'm like oh what am i doing tomorrow and then i'll look at my phone and then you know what your phone's connected to you look at your calendar oh now i'm in my emails and it just it just spirals from there so having that kind of it doesn't take long, five minutes. Just, hey, this is what I'm doing tomorrow. This is good. I'm ready to go. You use like a, a, che- a checklist? Not, not even a checklist. Just like, for me, it's just understanding what's next day. Like, okay, I've got a meeting in the morning at Belmont, so I'm going to drive out there in the morning. And then I've got some time to do this and time to do that. And just not when I get home and then trying to plan my day. And that might just be me because I'm a bit of a... No, no. I, I'm the same exact way. I, I have to uh, I have to sit for about five minutes with just silence before I leave the office and just sit there and okay, what did I do today? All right, got this done. Did I miss anything? Go through my checklist. I have a checklist. I have two of them, two checklists for here. Scribbles, right? And I just I, and I make one for the next day, or else, uh, like you said, I, I can't shut down either. But uh, yeah. even do, even doing that stuff, you still catch yourself. All what's some of what's some of your dirty pleasures? Uh, you know, like video games or bird watching, fishing, hunting, bird watching. <laughs> bird watching. <laughs> all the time. 
Uh, I play video games, uh, mostly FIFA and hockey. I haven't played as much recently, but uh, yeah, I have a PlayStation 4, not a 5, not as cool as Barkley. Um, but Barkley, yeah, did but, you get a PS5? I did, yeah. Yeah, your, but oh yeah, you did get your hands you, on one. You yeah, you know that story, up. right? He still hasn't set it up. Yeah, yeah. Sit in his office. Oh, I had to. I had to hide it. I, I I got it when they first came out, and uh, they took about a month and a half to come in, and and then during that time, it went. Uh, my kids gave us a Christmas list with a PS5 and the game that I got. So uh, I wasn't allowed to open it, and uh, so I had this great new shiny toy that nobody else could get. And I just had to look at it in my closet. And then uh, my wife says, I, I said, I, I can open it. She says, you can't, right? You can't open it. And so it went, ended up going under the tree from Santa for the family. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Did you have to mug someone for it? <laughs> you know what happened? My, my, my brother phoned me. My, my brother phoned me, told me about it. I went on Amazon, tried to it just hit refresh about 20 times. And it was always sold out. And then it came up. I got lucky, and uh, yeah, it's great. So I it's didn't get mine for Christmas. That's fun. <laughs> it only hey. refreshed once. Uh, yeah, I, nice. I heard that you have uh, Friday night game night or something, don't you? Playing video games with some buddies? I do sometimes. Depends on the day. Yeah. yeah. One of oh. my buddies finally got finally got PS Plus. So that was nice. We could play online. Like they used to come over sometimes and we'd play down in my basement, but that obviously ended. So uh, he finally got PS Plus and we started again. I don't know. Nice. PS Plus is online, so you can play online. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of weird. Like not a lot of people play sports. A lot of people play third person shooters. So finding someone that wants to play sports is not a, not ideal. So I just end up playing like 12 year olds from <laughs> Central America, like, <laughs> random people from Europe. Well, one of the reasons I got the PS5 is so I could get it in practice and uh, and uh, take you to school. But uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not there yet. So why don't you play first? So you don't play any Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, it's funny because two people have got me to play first-person shooters, and I'm so bad at them. I'm, like, I used to play Halo all the time in university. That was like my thing. We'd, we'd go and play Halo online. Great game. And I was, and I was like, okay at it. I guess I don't know if I was good, but I was okay at it. It wasn't embarrassing. Now I go, I don't even know what's happening. Like it's just ridiculous. Like they're running around, and if I don't like come on the map with them, I can't tell what's happening. Like I, I was playing. It's funny you brought it up because I was playing Battlefront. I think it's called the first Star Wars one uh, with this guy that got the PS Plus. Um, and we're playing, and I, at one point, like you can press to spawn by your partner, and he spawns beside me. He's like, "What are you doing?" I don't know. <laughs> like, you're on the wrong side of the map like you're literally going the wrong way and i have no idea what's happening so it's just i find they take a, a lot of like i find fifa it's been the same for 10 years right and it's like pretty simple i understand it and first person shooters i just never got back into it after halo so i i agree you know uh I, i've never been a huge uh gamer or, or played a lot of games i've ps4 um and uh, I started playing Warzone when this this uh, COVID hit and the restrictions hit, and it was nice because I was able to, you know, communicate with my my family in Calgary, and uh, and then you know we were able to play, and before you know it, we're having a beer or two, and we're getting into it. I'm I'm the oldest of the of the three, and I'm by far the worst. They are like exceptionally good at these games, and here there's guys throwing like sticky 
grenades onto my back and I'm running around with this flashing grenade and they're like, stop running towards us. Boom, blowing the whole team <laughs> up. And, uh, yeah, the we, thing that killed me for first person shooters is they started, like Halo, everyone had the same gun, right? You all had access to the same stuff. And then Call of Duty started making like, the more you play, the better the stuff you got, which to me is completely counterintuitive. Because now you're just rewarding these guys that play 24 hours a day. So as someone that wants to pick it up, I get on there. I'm like, I'm shooting a pistol at a guy with a freaking <laughs> semi-machine gun, right? It's like, it's ridiculous. So it's that's a lot of it. Yeah, anyway, it's absolutely. So. Okay. Uh, well, I think we're going to introduce you to what we call a lightning round. So... Uh, you listened to the first podcast mm -hmm. yeah okay yep. so you're a little bit aware i'm gonna re i'm gonna read the rules uh you know we we think the lightning round will help everyone get to know uh, you a little bit better um you haven't seen the, these questions so i'm quite excited to to get them out to you uh, i'll read the questions out loud and uh you will answer the first thing that comes to mind you're able to answer pass in which i'll move on to the next question how does that sound to you Sounds super exciting. We've added <laughs> one more rule to this game, and it's you've got two minutes to get through all the questions. Now, there's not many, but really we wanted just the first thing that comes to mind. Um, what happens if we don't get through in two minutes? Well, <laughs> nothing. That hasn't happened yet. You don't, yeah, you don't get the prize. How's that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the prize better be a PS5, let me tell you. Yeah. Okay. We're going to get the cue the music up here. Okay. Ready? Time on the clock, Berkeley. I'm ready. I got it. Okay. We're going to go start that again. Here we go. Three, two, one. What profession, other than your current one, would you like to attempt if you had the time? First thing. What profession would you not like to do? Salty or sweet snacks? Who has been the most influential person in your life that you are not related to? Probably that superintendent Jeff West. Shout out to Jeff. What cheers you up? Music. On a scale of 1 to 10, how strict are you as a parent? 7. On a scale of 1 to 10, how strict uh, were your parents? Probably 7. What is your biggest pet peeve? Uh, Be honest. Come on. I have so many. I don't know. That was tough. Pass, pass. Okay. What personality trait has gotten you into the most trouble? Uh, speaking my mind. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? These are hard questions, man. This is not the same as Eric, okay? Uh, <laughs> the best piece of advice? Probably that first one to go into construction. Morning or evening person? Mm, kind of both, but morning. What's your favorite drink? Uh, probably here, I guess. Yeah. Netflix, Prime, or both? Netflix, Prime's app sucks. 
Okay, uh, radio or podcast? Podcast. Radio. How old am I? <laughs> Paperback or audio books? Audio books. Favorite movie? Armageddon. Favorite band? Uh, Lumineers. Dog or cat? Tom Petty. Tom Petty. Oh, Tom Petty. There Tom we go. Petty. Dog or cat? Dog. Favorite restaurant in Victoria? Oh. Probably Fifth Street with Barclays. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite favorite sports team? Oh, the Canucks. Favorite TV show? Oh, that's a tough one. Probably The Office, actually. Office? Mountains or ocean? Ocean. Work-life balance, overrated or underrated? Underrated. Uh, what TV series are you currently watching? I don't really have one right now. What I watch recently? Uh, yeah, that one with Wolves. I can't remember what it's called. It's on Prime, I think. And uh, what's your biggest pet peeve? <laughs> I, don't, uh, I, I can't think of a specific one. No problem. There we well, go. Cool. Thank, thank We're you, We're going to call Fran. We're calling Fran. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, that was on. great. That was great. It's a little, it's a little different that we can't have, uh, you know, the music in the room with the mics, but uh, you know, we're, uh, that was well done. Good job, Dan. Thank you, Dan. That was stressful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> stressful. So you said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, how much time do you spend on personal development each week? Uh, it's a tough one. I'd say quite a bit. What's quite it's a funny, bit? It's funny because Brian makes fun of me all the time because I listen to a self-help book. She calls them <laughs> uh, two to three hours, probably. Depends depends on what you mean by self-development. Like, are you talking like going to a course and like spending time on it, or just anything? well, a- a- anything? It can be yeah, uh, probably yeah, two to three hours. I would say. Okay. Um, you kind of touched on what I was going to say. I know you're a big proponent of audiobooks. How many audiobooks did you listen to last year? Oh, I can't remember. It was a lot, though. Had to be over 30. Over 30. Over 30. Wow. Um, what was your favorite, if you had to pick one? One? Yeah. Let's, well, why don't we do one from, like, a self-help, as Frank calls it? Okay. And one from, like, a... Perfect. Uh, Trillion Dollar Coach was really good. Trillion Dollar Coach? Yeah, for self-help. You want to call it that? Self-improvement. It's about the coach. There's a guy in Silicon Valley. He passed away, but he was a coach to all of Google, Apple. It's crazy. The people that he influenced. Yeah. Um, and had no tech background at all. Interesting book. You know, definitely a cool story. I think it was written by the guys from Google. If I remember correctly. But yeah. And then uh, I enjoyed Darkest Hour, which was about Churchill coming up to the start of World War II. Oh, cool. Very cool. I'm, I'm writing that one down. That one's a good one. Actually, both those are. I That's what I was doing. Um, what about uh, personal development courses? Have you taken any? And if so, is there, uh, well, have you taken any? Let's start there. Not really. Like I've taken courses, like career specific courses in Gold Seal. Yep. Um, so I guess that would be personal development. Uh but specific courses i couldn't tell you okay what about uh what about you uh i think you told me one time about a conference in whistler oh yeah yeah that was good vrca puts it on uh i can't remember what it's called construction leadership forum that was probably the best i've been to is that an annual event 
It was. I don't know what they're doing because they canceled the last one because of COVID. Right. Um, but yeah, they had a keynote. They had a bunch of keynote speakers, and it was in Westland, which was nice. It's kind of at the end of the season. I don't ski, so I don't care. But <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. It was cool. It, had, it was a Friday, Saturday. Um, they had some good keynotes and good. It was overall well done for sure. Was it construction specific, leadership mm -hmm. specific, ownership, project management? <laughs> It was a bit everything. I, there was a bunch of options, but it was it was done by Vancouver. What is it? Vancouver Regional Construction Association, mm -hmm. um, and it, it's the Construction Leadership Forum. Uh, but it was based on like there was stuff in there, like uh, uh, Terry Terry Small, I think his name is. Uh, like uh, he's actually a local person that deals with brain and like focus and how to do that better. So he was one of the keynote speakers. So it's not just construction related. Like a lot of it is, but most of it is just self-improvement i guess self-help self-help yes <laughs> <laughs> i you know what i'm i'm uh, guilty i'm not as guilty as my wife for for listening to the the this this as your your wife calls it self-help but I, I sure enjoy it to you know any anything to li you know listen to and and someone that's you know done well and and has some sort of unique uh uh, traits and, and advice you know i think it's mm -hmm. to always be learning is not a bad thing right yeah, no, there's that one. That, I can't remember what the quote is, but it's not improving. What's the point, pretty much? Like, why? What are you doing? So, I think that's, I agree 100%. If you're not le learning, you've got, you've stopped. You need to keep going. I know I, I would say that uh, you got me going heavy in audiobooks. And I think at the time you had read uh, the, the previous year, I don't know, it was something like 12 or 14. And now uh, I have all my staff doing it where we pay for uh the monthly membership and we pick one book i put a, a list together and and uh draw a name out of a hat for an order uh, the order of who picks and we do one every month so now i'm getting there i don't know if i'm going to get to 30 but i'm certainly going to get to 12 so <laughs> i might be lying it might be 15 i yeah. can't remember um audiobooks or, or ebooks uh for me it's it's uh audible that's audiobooks yeah, yeah me too uh, is it do would you like make it so it's a specific thing or is it any book they can pick any book no what I uh, yeah good question I'm we I put together a list I, I tried to look at um, some strengths we had within the you know you've got people in all kinds of different departments right marketing accounts receivable accounts but you know everyone has different things all can learn a little bit from each other so I I tried to pick like five in this area and five in this and five in this and things that would help them. Um, books that I thought was inter interesting, spent a bunch of time kind of researching them and put a list together of about, uh, I think it's 65 or 70 books. And then they choose it. We all have a month to listen. And then at our monthly staff meeting, there's uh, you know a, a review of it, talk about it, top five things we learned. And, and, uh, and then the next person introduces their book and we do it again. Is there any James Patterson books in there? <laughs> all of them no no there isn't that's like my grandpa's favorite book like oh. he's, he's already like just absolutely annihilated the whole library oh right um because so speaking of uh, self-help <laughs> how do you define success uh oh that's a tough one i don't know being able to do what you want and having the freedom to do whatever you want um and getting to a place where you can do that. Uh, I don't know if I tie it specifically to money or having things, but being able to choose what you want to do every day. 
It's a great way to look at it. Uh, so two-parter, everyone is familiar with a 40-hour work week. Um, do you think it is a, an accurate representation to be successful or should we be more results driven? Uh, I, f I find this hard because it depends on the position. So like, let's say you're working at McDonald's. They're not going to pay you for 20 hours, even if you do 5,000 burgers in 20 hours, right? Um, but there are positions where I don't think we need to be here in the office all the time or working all the time. And if you can get your job done in that amount of time and do it successfully, I don't see the reason to have those hours. But then how do you define that limit? Like for construction, for instance, like as a project manager, you're never out of things to do. And if you are, there's something wrong. You could be doing something else. You could be planning for the next month and the next month and the next month. So how, how do you give them a task where it has an end, where they can define that and make sure that they're being successful? I find that's the hardest part because I honestly, to me, it doesn't matter if they're in the office from eight to five or whatever it is, as long as they're getting their job done and, and completing the work and keeping the project moving. No, for sure. You know, for uh, sure. you know the, the second part of it was how many hours do you think a young person, you know, focused on their career should be putting in each week? Again, depends. Because like, especially in construction, I find there was times where I was working and I could have been working 20 hours a week and get the job done. And then there's times based on the project that I had to work 60 hours a week. And it just depends on what what's happening. But I would say understanding that and working to it like don't work 60 hours if it's not getting you somewhere or the project somewhere um understanding that you're going to have to at some point but at some point during that project you're going to be working weeks where you're at 60 hours but at some point you're not so take the time when you can and make up for it elsewhere now we we chatted a little bit about how you prepare for the next day at work you you uh, like to know you know what you've done throughout the day and then make a uh, you know, an internal list in your head, what you're doing tomorrow. Um, you know, we, we noticed uh, just through reading and meeting people, uh, top performers typically have, you know, routines that help them prepare for the week ahead. Um, do you have a, a weekly routine that you follow? I would say no. No? no not a, I wouldn't say weekly. Uh, daily, I have the before I leave. Usually when I get to the office, I try not to answer emails right away and look at what, what's coming up and try and make a plan without reacting to what's come in over the night um, or what's still to do. But weekly, no, I would say I don't have any routines. I, uh, I forget who, who mentioned this, but they mentioned, uh, you know, not touching your cell phone for the first hour you're awake. Um, mm -hmm. I've, I've adjusted my routine drastically. I used to wake up and uh, I'd have my suit or, or whatever ready to go in my gym bag and I would head right to the gym and, work out and then get jump into work and uh now that Brittany's uh, uh pregnant i've been waking up and and making breakfast making coffee make sure she, she's fed and watered for the you know morning <laughs> and happy and you know what i've actually seen a a, a significant difference in, in um productivity and, and just uh attention to detail getting to work now it's uh it, it's qu quite fascinating what's in calm what a calm morning of watching you know, Sportsnet making oatmeal and a smoothie and some coffee does uh, rather than jumping right into your phone or into a you know, workout or whatever. Interesting. So, yeah. 
Um, so we, we've asked you quite a few questions here. Uh, you know, I wanted to ask a, a few more, some, some advice for the younger generation. Um, you know, what, what's the most important business quality you feel a young person should have? You know, like, what do you look for at, at MapIt? Business quality? Business quality, yeah. Uh, I would say the motivation to do more. To, to strive for more, to want to get to that next level. But at the same time, everyone, every company needs people that are really good at their job and like doing their job in those specific positions, right? So uh, business quality, I think, comes down, I don't know if it's business specifically, but it ties to it is the attitude and the work ethic. That's really, I know I said it before, but it kind of determines how, where you're going to get, in my opinion. What, what two pieces of advice would you, uh, would you give your 25-year-old self to get a head start on your career? Uh, I don't have two. I have one. Don't be afraid to ask for what you want. I see this all the time. And it's like, if you, I wish I would have asked. Not that I didn't. I think I did an okay job of it. But uh, even with the younger generation, if, if you want to do something, tell the person that's your boss that you want to do it. Don't just sit there and not tell them because they, they don't have any idea, right? So if you want to if you want to come in and you want to do a $50 million job, they're going to say no, right? <laughs> You're not going to be able to do it. But then ask them why. Ask them how you can get there um, and work on those things. I, I think that's that's great advice. I mean, I, um, I've had that happen to me recently. I've had two occasions in the last two years, I would say, where somebody came in and and, and said they were looking for something and put it out there. And I had no idea they were interested in that direction. If you don't say it, how's your boss going to know? Because you'll just sit there. And at some point, it's going to become important enough that you're going to get mad about it, I would say. And then you're not going to like what you're doing. So why not put it out there and deal with it? Worst they can say is no. And then you can ask why. Right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then, it, and then it may not be a fit, but at least you haven't wasted four years of your life before you find out. What are some of the most valuable lessons that you've learned in, in business? I would say things can change quickly. Like we saw this with COVID. Um, we all were going along and I think we were lucky to come out where we have. Uh, but within what, a month? Projects were on hold. People were getting laid off. The world changed, right? So being prepared not that you're going to know what's coming, but being ready for whatever comes, I think is uh, a valuable lesson for sure. Um, and don't take things for granted because you never know when they're going to go away. Uh, people leave all the time and you have no idea why, you know, and you won't see it coming, right? So don't take things for granted. And relationships, everyone says this, but it's, a, it's so true on Vancouver Island. Uh, it specifically is relationships matter not burning a bridge is very important. No matter how bad you want to send that email or tell someone off when you're leaving, <laughs> don't do it unless, unless you're willing to live with the consequences, which sometimes you are. Like you got to kind of put, weigh those, right? But you never know where that person's going to be in five years. That's a good point. Um, my last question for you, is there anything we should have asked you but didn't? I don't think so burning desire to tell a story. Dan, yeah. I really uh, appreciate it. Um, thank you so much. 
again for joining us. I know uh, we had to get you out of your comfort zone. I'm sorry it could not be sooner uh, and it couldn't be in person where we could have uh, a few cold beverages and, and cheers waters. in person, have uh, waters, beverages, bubbly water, whatever you drink. Uh, anyways, I just want to say thank you so much. Uh, really appreciate your time. It's been an honor and uh, we're all very appreciative uh, of where YBN is and, and all the hard work that you've uh, helped with this organization. Uh, I want to also thank our sponsors, uh, Napit Projects, uh, Wilson M. Beck Insurance Services, and Blue Anvil Labor Leasing. Thank you, Daniel. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks.